0: If you are not getting educated about the current market conditions, whether you're a mortgage broker, you're in insurance, you're in title, or obviously a real estate agent, you're doing yourself and the public a disservice. Welcome to episode two of the Knowledge Brokers Podcast. I'm Tom Tool. I'm here with Byron Lazine, the man himself. And Byron, we got a lot to talk about today. This has been a busy week with financial news, and I'm excited. I'm seeing some great things for the marketplace. And there's a lot
1: to unpack here. Yeah. Second week knowledge brokers podcast. Thank you to everyone for the response. It, it allowed Tom and I to say, okay, we're going to come back for week two because <laughs> the response was good. Definitely share this. If you're a real estate professional, share this with an attorney friend, share this with a, a lender friend, get this podcast out there so we can keep doing it. I really enjoyed the response last week. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple, no, you can go over to YouTube and search at knowledge brokers podcast to get this uh, and vice versa. If you want to go listen, it's also on Apple and Spotify. We got a whole bunch of stuff that happened this week. I mean, this is like the perfect storm of a week for knowledge brokers. Podcast There's a whole bunch of information that real estate professionals need to know right now, whether it be in law, whether it be as a broker, whether it be as a team leader uh, or a lender, to really serve their clients in this market, to understand what's going on with housing and how it's going to impact everything in 2023, uh, we've we've got a whole bunch of CPI stuff. We're going to break down first. We'll, we'll dive right into that. We've got some seller concession talk, and then a Goldman Sachs outlook that we're going to dig deep into and what is going to happen with prices in 2023 relates to housing prices so uh let's start with the cpi stuff the markets rallied this week tom with the cpi news uh cpi going down point 0.1%. we had a favorable jobs report all this kind of blended together uh really you know make the the stock market stock market as of this recording here on friday morning is down a tick but we had a monday through thursday where the markets were up so all the markets rallied you saw the 10-year drop throughout the week you saw mortgage rates drop and a lot of this is, has to do with the CPI data uh, are you as bullish as some that the CPI data is meaningful and we're going to see long-term trends uh, of the markets responding
0: positively i mean call me Scotty Pippen here byron because i am very bullish and i, I want to take a <laughs> quick pause <laughs> CPI data maybe some people don't know what that means and part of this show is educating around some of this real estate jargon so it's the consumer price index. It's what goods cost. So like food, gas, obviously housing is part of that. Any sort of thing you're purchasing, it's the rate that that price is inflating. And you look at this data here, we saw it tick down 0.1% in December, which may not sound like a lot. To me, that's very meaningful knowing that December is a major consumer spending month. And the fact that we saw inflation tick down, we saw Black Friday sales were equal to last year, but with heavy discounts and heavy sales being offered by retailers and excluding food and energy, um, core of the, the core CPI indicators rose about 0.3%. And that was what a lot of economists expected. So this tells me that inflation's cooling down. And, and that's good news if you're worried about what the Fed's going to do, because the Fed is hellbent on getting inflation down to 2%, maybe unrealistic getting it to 2%, because historically, you look at it That's a very low number. This is what we hoped happened, and if you saw what happened with mortgage rates, just even yesterday, they dipped below six percent on a thirty-year fixed. So the the prices are coming back to earth here in a place that I'm finding consumers, specifically buyers and sellers, because a lot of times they got to go buy a house, are more comfortable acquiring a home with a rate in the fives than six, six and a half, seven. So I'm clear this is going to continue. People are very mindful of their budget and. This may be the one shot for buyers to get in on a buyer's market here over the next couple of years, given some of the predictions that we're seeing, which we're going to get into later. So I'm all in on this. Very good.
1: We can show the uh, CNBC chart, uh, 6.5% CPI right now, to Mm -hmm. your point. And you can look at June 2022, we were at 9%. May, we were at 8.5%. And the trend, July eight point five percent. So the trend, August eight point two percent. The trend is absolutely positive. It's going down month over month over month. The last six months, we continue to see, you know, a positive indication from the the CPI data. And I shared with you the pie chart. We'll put the pie chart up mm-hmm. as well, uh, and uh, we'll put we'll put all these up so you can see these if you're on on YouTube at Knowledge Brokers Podcast. The this pie chart here, uh, CPI components. Okay. Look at what is making up the biggest part of the pie housing at 42.4 percent. You got food and beverages over 14 percent, apparel 2.4 percent, transportation over 18 percent, medical care 8 percent, recreation just over 5 percent, education and communication 6.4 percent, other goods and services 2.7 percent. These are comp- consumer price index components. So they're putting housing, they're putting rental, and just the cost of primary housing all into one category. This is uh BLS is the source the most recent annual waiting was in December uh 2021 so this is a little bit a little bit um of an indication of this lagging data that people are referring to when they're really looking at inflation being high and they're pointing mm-hmm. the blame on housing housing is by the way going to get better and better as we the data on CPI as it relates to CPI it's going to get better and better over the next couple of months so if the consumer goods are already we're showing real signs of going down, albeit like eggs, Tom, I don't know if you know, the eggs are the new delicacy. They're, they're, they're very week. expensive. No,
0: it's, 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 incredible.
1: I, I took my daughter to the dining hall at her school this morning and uh, we do that on Friday mornings. And so I was like, what do you want? She's like, I just want strawberries. And they had, they had egg whites and they had you know, regular scrambled eggs. So they had egg whites scrambled and reg- I said, Stella, The eggs are a delicacy. Maybe you should dive in. This is, you know, I want to get back some of this tuition here, but yeah. So, but overall, I mean, obviously that that's an outlier right now with the bird flu, but overall these consumer goods are trending in a really good place as we see the data for housing in the next couple months, because November and December were not, were not great numbers, right? We know Tom, like we saw mm-hmm. sales really drop in those months. As it got closer to the holiday, the market kind of froze up there. It's loosened up, purchase applications are up in January and, and the market is certainly trending in, in a more positive direction. But as that data comes out in the next couple months, I think the CPI number continues to get better. So I'm on the side of the markets that this is gonna keep getting better. I'm not on the side of the Fed which is saying, listen, we got to get to 2%. We're going to do everything it takes. And they're not seeing the trend. The, mm-hmm. the Fed is not believing in the trend, okay? They're saying, hey, we want to continue to bring this housing market down <coughs> to a place where values are decreasing. They're even saying they want to bring jobs and in, 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 in go unemployment up. I don't agree with that. I don't think the way out of this is is by putting people on the unemployment line and having them having them collected unemployment check from the government. I don't think that's good for anybody, but the fed is not in agreement with the markets. And that's where we're at right now. uh, Even though the the trends are looking very good.
0: So Logan Modashami, our boy from housing wire, he came out, I believe yesterday or Wednesday and said, Hey, the fed needs to reset its policy. Um, He has been, Adamant about tracking the lead indicators, which is how you track any business. And let's face it, this is the big business of the US government. That's what we're talking about here. And he came out and said the Fed needs to reset. I also looked at CME uh, market watch tool where they do predictions of what the Fed's going to do at their upcoming meetings. So we've got 19 days as of today before the next meeting Um, right now. There is a 94.2% chance that the Fed will increase rates a quarter of a basis point. So 25 or a quarter of a point, 25 basis points, which is less than what they've been doing, but that still may be too aggressive given what we're seeing and a lot of experts, especially Logan, I mean he's been adamant about the Fed needs to reset and I don't think they're going to do it. Number one, a lot of people well, are I calling for I think a quarter
1: it. basis point would be better than a half basis point or 0.75. Agreed.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Right. And so there, there was fear that they may continue on this. A quarter basis point would be good. That's more of a normalized increase. Uh, what, what are you saying? Are you saying, hey, the Fed should should maybe just pause on on a, on a, and see what happens next month? Would you would you?
0: A quarter you is okay, camp, right? You... No, no, I I think you gotta. They, they have a they have a strategy, right? And whether we agree with it or not, these people are educated and trying to do what they believe is best. Whether we think that's the case or not. You know, that's to be debated, right? And and we could do that all day. What I like that I see here on the CME Market Watch tool, and if you want to chart what the Fed's doing, this is a great place. It's basically like a betting app for the Fed rate, right? That's what it is. Last week, they had a 75% chance that they were going to go uh, 25 points and a 24% chance they would have raised it 50 points. In light of the CPI data, that number has shifted to what, 94.2% of 25 basis points And 5.8% of a 50 basis point increase. So my hope is the Fed seeing what we're seeing. The challenge again is that this is lagged data. This is last month. And if you look at some of the lead indicators like Logan's talking about, he's calling for the Fed to reset their policy right now. And maybe this is the last increase we see coming up in February. It's got a trend in that direction. So Let's hope they get the message here. And I don't like the idea of putting people out of work either. I don't know how it's going to help things, right? I mean, it's going to—I think it's going to make it worse for a lot of folks. You know, that—that's not something that one happened. You know, in, in the last real depression that we saw in 2008, there was a lot of jobless claims. We want to keep. I'm I'm a big believer in keeping unemployment down, and so many people work from home right now too. I think that's kind of a misleading number. So, I, I'm okay with 25 basis points.
1: I'm in your camp. I'm in Logan, Logan Matashami from Housing and Wire. He's, he's in this camp. He's pushing this hard. Like you don't have to put people out of work to bring down inflation. We're already seeing a trend that is very positive for inflation. We don't have to put people out of work. Putting people out of work is just really, I mean, now you're talking, and we're going to talk about Goldman Sachs projections. We're really talking about a two-year recovery two to three-year recovery. You put a whole bunch of people out of work. Now we got to get all these people back into employment before we can even start to recover as an economy. So what? why do we have to completely tear the thing down? Now, there's a lot of people that say you do have to tear the thing down because we printed so much money. But if we can continue to progress as it relates to inflation, I don't want to see people out of work. You're already seeing wages cooling. So it's not like wages are continuing to run off. You're seeing wages cooling despite that we're adding jobs. You know, we had a great jobs report and and they write about it in Housing Wire. The Solid Jobs Report has sent these mortgage rates lower. We saw that yesterday unemployment is not on the rise. So the Fed doesn't like that, but that's kind of where we're at. Uh, Employment change by industry December 2022. I thought this was seasonally adjusted. I thought this was uh, an interesting chart here uh mining and logging up okay so so these are Mm all all the industries that are up mining and logging construction manufacturing wholesale trade retail transportation and warehousing utilities in for uh i'm sorry information is the one that is down that 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 information and professional and business services are the two that are down financial activities up education health services way up leisure and hospitality people traveling way up other services and government government always government's always going up you see government yeah. jobs are always going up that that should be one that maybe we could go down on all right, so the fed you you think we should get rid of jobs? Maybe let's start in d c
0: keep shoveling that pork man I mean that that's kind of what's going on here, so
1: all right, so here's a breakdown of unemployment rate tied to the education level for those twenty five years and older less than a high school diploma five percent uh high school graduate, and no college three point six percent, some college or associate degree two point nine percent bachelor's degree or higher one point nine percent obviously overall employment very low. It's at 3.5% and and that's one of the good positive signs about this economy along with uh, the CPI data. And you've seen it with the purchase applications in the mortgage, you've seen it with the mortgage rates. You've seen that, okay, consumer confidence for the first time in December was up as it relates to housing. Mm -hmm. Eight months prior, it was down. It's still way down from a year and a half ago But now finally uh, is trending in the right direction so overall i'm in favor of where we're at i think we're in a good spot i I like the cpi news i like the jobs news i want to keep jobs i disagree with the fed putting people out Uh, i agree with the fed that hey we had to go to seven on the mortgage interest rate we had to go to that place to get to where we are now Where a half might start looking good on mortgage rates but i don't agree with putting people out of a job uh all this being said seller concessions are up for people that are listing their homes and negotiating they're now conceding more overall nationally tom inventory is up 55 so so this is not maybe not in any particular market love to know from you in the comments if you're on youtube what's your market look like in terms of inventory but overall nationally 55% 55% increase in inventory in the month of December. More competition, so sellers are conceding more in a market like this. Tom, we've been in all kinds of different markets. We've been in markets where high, 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 high inventory. 2009, 2010, 11, and 12. We've been in markets. Obviously, COVID had no inventory. Historically speaking, even though we're up 55% on in inventory in December, we're still at pretty low inventory levels Very across the country in most markets. Very low. In a market like this where sellers are, are needing to concede more, we're still seeing multiple offers. So let's let's talk about all of this, but sellers conceding, sellers negotiating more in a market like this, what are the most important things an agent, a broker need to know?
0: Yeah, that, that that's a great point. And, and the data you're talking about is reflective of the consumer sentiment. We saw there was a report released on uh, Monday from CNBC that home buyer sentiment was up. Uh, six percentage points from where it was October, November, in the month of December. Seller sentiment's down a little bit. It's still at 51% of people think it's a good time to sell, down from 54%. So we're seeing, I would say, the very start of how how the market starts to normalize here, because that's what we're talking about. You're talking about seller concessions. This is going to be a challenge for a lot of agents, and I'll tell you why. They don't know how a seller assist works, right? I don't know about your market, Byron. Ours, sellers' assists are very common. People don't understand how that works. FHA and VA financing, right? You were like a leper trying to get those offers accepted in 2021 if you had FHA or VA financing because of the appraisal procedures. Not a big deal if you know what you're talking about, but most agents are saying, oh, you're not 20% down. You know, they're even saying, I don't know if I want to work with you, which is a whole other thing. On top of that, you've got to deal with home inspections, right? Home inspections, I don't know about you, my the least favorite deals. part of the transaction, right? Well, And it's you're going back and forth about, stuff where you know the inspector matters and there's some that are alarmists some that are very good i'm sure you know the deal killers in your market i know the ones in ours and and they go in and they spook buyers and they're spending four five six seven eight hundred thousand that's a challenge right so there's all these nuances to negotiating because there's been so many agents that got into the market 2020 up until now and they didn't have to deal with this stuff and i you know prior to 2020 Getting a waived home inspection was like unheard of. I mean, unless it was the house was a total, you know, gut job and you had an investor or someone coming in. So, the the big keys I see for agents are one, you've got to let things play out. You can't just get nervous. The deal's going to blow up in your face. You got to understand what the agreement of sale says, the timing and the deadlines. Every state is different. I could recite ours in Pennsylvania like the back of my hand. You don't know that stuff. I don't guarantee the person on the other side is going to know it, and they may just go, "Hey, we're going to we're going to terminate the deal, Byron." Wait a minute. You don't have the right to do that. Here's what the agreement of sale says. This is a big issue for a lot of agents. You'll see agents 15, 20 years in the business don't even know what the agreement of sale says. So, understanding the timeframes in the agreement of sale is number one. Letting things play out, gathering information, right? Got to get a roof replaced. You need to figure out if this, we just went through this the other day where there was a condo we sold. FHA financing came in. The lender said, hey, I can get a spot approval and because not every condo is FHA approved, everyone starts freaking out because the approval expired. Well, you had to let it play out. It took two days. We got the spot approval. In the past, that offer wouldn't have even been looked at. So there's all these intricacies in the agreement. And if you don't understand financing around the different loan types, if you don't understand inspection negotiations and timeframes, and how to write a lower offer with the expectation your buyer's starting at a number that they know they're going to come up from, that's a whole art, right? You see a 60 day or 70 day home on the market. I'm saying that's an opportunity. So let's make an offer knowing we're willing to come up and you got to let the seller feel like they win sometimes because if you don't and you just say, Hey, here's my offer, like it or not, you're going to piss everybody off. So there's a whole art to this that a lot of agents don't even have any concept of how to, how to, how to to work in that market.
1: For real estate agents that are going to go out there in 2023, and increase their listing inventory. They're, they're gonna go out and get listings. That's where the power is as the listing agent of or, or a real estate broker. What advice would you give to that agent to prep the seller to say, hey, here's where we're gonna go out. We're likely gonna go under contract at this number, but let's also carve out a little bit on this deal for concessions for negotiations because we're going to get negotiated with redfin report found that a record 41.9 percent of home sellers gave concessions to home buyers in quarter four of 2022 for repairs and mortgage uh, rate buy downs because they wanted to keep the deal but what advice would you give to an agent to make sure that the seller knows before i even see a deal I'm going to get negotiated with, this is normal in this market, so that I don't get an ego and kill a deal and go back on market and create confusion for the mark, for the buyers, for the home shoppers that are looking on Zillow and Redfin and all, all these other sites.
0: So so what I know is that the, the most important data, you want to chart what homes are actually selling for. We went from the first half in our market in 2021 or 2022, 102, 103% of the asking price. That's come down to 97%. 98%. Yes. Still excellent numbers, by the way. I mean, I, you yeah. know, 2008 was like 93, right? So you're talking about significant numbers here. Show the sellers that. Tell them, hey, I'm, my intention is to price the home where I think it's going to sell for that's going to get you the best amount of traffic because positioning is a real thing in the marketplace. Pricing the home at 400 versus 405, right? Forget about the five grand. As a seller, you're getting more eyeballs at the $400,000 number. That's the way search engines work. You've got to be able to communicate that to a seller and make sure they list with a number that if they got it, they'd be okay with it. In this market, listing lower, expecting multiple offers, it doesn't work. And then when you don't produce those multiple offers, the seller automatically doesn't trust you. So Mm -hmm. in my view, the most important thing with sellers is what's the motivation. Motivation matters in this kind of market. That's a number one. Motivated sellers, that's who you want to be working with. There's some reason they're selling that it's not going to change asking them, Hey, Byron, what's your plan B? If you list with another agent and the home doesn't sell prior to going out and meeting them, you're going to know if there's a, if there's a plan B or not. My favorite answer is I've got no plan B. This is what's happening. That's the kind of seller you want. And then letting them know, Hey, you know, every six to 10 showings usually generates an offer. If we don't see that or we're on the market longer than two weeks, we may need to talk about adjusting our strategy. And that's a really nice
1: is more normal now.
0: Well, I agree. And and the point is, you start talking about it. You may have to have this conversation three, four, five times before they agree to it. And this is the hardest conversation in real estate, in my view, because no one wants to hear their home isn't worth what it is. But you've got to be communicating, and you've done this, I've done this, the communication guarantee with your clients. Biggest mistake clients, uh, realtors make They don't call them. They don't tell the sellers what's going on. They don't talk to them for three weeks. Nothing's happening. Yeah. I'd be freaking out if I was the seller. So this
1: this week with all this information, home purchase applications up with CPI down with, uh, you know, all this information that we just talked about, these are opportunities to continue to inform, inform, inform the Mm -hmm. seller, how this may or may not be a benefit for them in their local market. Listen, when two weeks on the market is normal, Okay, when three weeks is the market normal, and this is going to be price point dependent, market dependent, all that we're going to get into prices here in just a second. But when these things are normal, the strategy of of going out to market at a certain number is much different than quarter one of 2021. It's much different than the summer of two thousand, you know, 2021 or quarter one of 2022 rather. Those in those markets, if you weren't listing at the price to get multiple offers, you are really missing a huge opportunity to see that fever pitch, take what is market true market value and accelerate mm-hmm. it five, 10, 15% over market value in a bidding war. Today, as buyers are saying, Hey, there are properties that are on the market two, three, four, five weeks, and then they go under contract. They may still come in and make, 98, 99% full price ask offers in weeks two, three, four, and five. So going out now at market value, as opposed to just under market value is the strategy for listing agents. You don't want to go price this thing under because you price it under, and then the home sits for two, three weeks. Guess where that offer is coming in at mar- at list price, which is now under market value. So you mm-hmm. go out at market value, maybe even a touch more, knowing that my seller is going to have to make concessions on the inspection, knowing that we may negotiate one or two or three points off of this, off of the value of the house when we get into the negotiation, even pre-inspection. So giving yourself a little bit of padding, especially if you know, this house is going to sell in this market. I'm going to prep the seller two, three, four weeks, but we're going to go out at a little bit higher value than we may have a year or two ago, going under market value. Market value could be different right now. Mm-hmm. Of course, I get that. But we're going to go at market value as opposed to under because we're just not going to have the 20 offers. That being said, Tom, in the last two weeks, there have been multiple offers in many towns, cities, locations across the country at median price points. You know, certainly not some some of the major cities aren't, aren't experiencing that. But some of these more rural uh some of these suburban areas at a median price point with purchase applications going up where there's low inventory which there is in some markets despite it being up 55 percent nationwide in december there are multiple offers still happening there are over over list price things happening so it's got to be you got to be real focused in on what price range am i going you know am I am i dealing with here am I, am I in a luxury price point am i in a move up price point am i in that first time home buyer price point? How much How much competition do I have? All these things you need to take into consideration when you educate that seller on, hey, we're going to go at market value. We're going to go just below market value because there's absolutely nothing on the market. I can create one of those 2022, 2021 bidding wars for you. Mm-hmm. Or are we luxury and we're going to have very few, we're going to have days on market be- become a problem for us with this listing and, and so maybe we, we go market value or just above to, to create that padding because it's all about finding the right buyer. It's all about marketing. It's all about exposing this to somebody that wants to be in this area, somebody of substantial wealth. And that's going to take more time than the starter home or the move up home.
0: So there's some important data here I want to share from NAR that this is how you will win listings because this is what sellers actually care about. And a lot of people think oh, the seller just cares about getting the best price. Not true not knowing if the home will sell within the desired timeframe is the number one stressor for sellers. According to a 2021 report from Zillow and NAR 56% of sellers are concerned if the home will sell in their desired timeframe or not. That's over half 53% of sellers worry about not being able to sell their home for the price they want. So again, having that strategy walking in and understanding this is a pain point for them. 52% Byron worried about an offer falling through. Well, you better know how to handle inspections deal. Vet the financing appropriately because the return of these dirtbag lenders where they don't vet people is going to be more and more common, right? Like sometimes you only get one offer and it might be a rocket mortgage or some fly by night mortgage broker. Um, 51% of sellers uh, found it stressful to time the sale of their current home with the purchase of the new one. It's about timing. So you've got to give them an expectation. Here's how much time it's going to take. Here's going to be our strategy throughout because a lot of agents, they put the sign up, they put it on the internet and they just wait for somebody to show up. You've got to be walking them through that process and being Mm -hmm. mindful of dates and financial conditions. And that's where that discovery call, that pre-qualification call is going to be more important than ever. That's what sellers actually care about, not what you think. And you always want to follow the data.
1: And you want to extinguish these fears before listing the home. Here is how I'm going to qualify the buyer who's making an offer on your house, who's potential, who's written an offer, who has a pre-approval from a bank, but here's how I'm going to qualify. Here's the questions I'm going to ask. Here's what I'm going to do, getting on the phone with the agent or dealing with the buyer directly. This is what I'm going to do as your agent, working for you, getting you the money that you want for your home or more. That doesn't mean when you say this to a seller, I'm working for you. To get you the money you want or more on your home this does not mean you're telling them i'm going to get you over asking price and being clear on that how much money do we want to get for this house here's mm-hmm. a strategy of where we need to list it to get to this number knowing that we're going to have concessions knowing that we're going to we're going to maybe have something in the inspection and i'm going to put together the strategy because i'm working for you to get this deal done to get to that number or more by listing at x price which might be a little bit higher right now, knowing that we're gonna have concessions. But taking all those fears into consideration that NAR outlined, these are conversations ahead of time, not when they pop up in yes. the process. A seller is less likely to make a concession in the deal if they're finding out about it on day four of the inspection process, as yes. opposed to before the house goes on the market. Here are things we're seeing, here are the trends, uh, here, here's what's going on in our market, here's what's going on nationally, here's the data you should be aware of, Mr. And Mrs. Seller. And, and these are gonna be things that we're gonna deal with in this way. This is what's working for my clients who are maximizing the value of their home. These are the conversations you wanna have ahead of time. Listen, the more disclosure, the more conversation, the more education that you can provide for a seller as the knowledge broker, the better before you go on the market. All right, let's talk about prices, Tom, because we talked a lot about good news, good information, CPI news, Mm -hmm. all all this good stuff. Uh, Seller concession, maybe somewhere in the middle. It's just the reality of a normal market, a a real estate market that is normalizing. But everybody's not bullish on this just being a normal market. Goldman Sachs, for example, is very bearish on the real estate market. Now, you may say, and you may disagree with me, Tom, you may say this is bearish. This is just, just getting back to a more normalized place. Uh, but Goldman Sachs basically is projecting that the following housing markets will see home prices. They just came out with this this week. Home mm-hmm. prices fall by more than 10% in 2023. Here are the following, uh, and we'll put the chart up. We'll put the whole chart up. 2023, they're saying Austin, San Francisco, San Diego, Phoenix, Denver, Seattle, Tampa, Las Vegas, Portland, and Dallas, they're expecting an over 10% drop in 2023. They're also seeing a very substantial drop from places like Boston, Atlanta, Charlotte, Houston, Washington, D.C., Los Angeles, and Detroit, as well as Chicago. Uh, a slight drop in values for 2023 in St. Louis, in New York, a very, very tiny drop in your metro area of Philadelphia, but increases for Baltimore and then as a, a pretty sizable, two, uh, 3%, more of a normal appreciation percentage for Miami. But Miami being the only market uh, that they're seeing a real substantial rise in home values for 2023. So Goldman Sachs bullish on South Florida and very bearish on the rest of the country on these major cities as it relates to home values 10% plus. Can you see that in the major cities Tom like they're not they're not bearish on Philadelphia but how about these other cities that they're that they've identified? Do you see that happening?
0: No, I don't. I'm going to be very clear and you know if you look at you got to look at the different markets within the market, right? You're talking about Philadelphia, right? We've got four counties outside, and we've got the city. It's the fifth or sixth largest metro market, depending on who you're listening to in the country. There's going to be neighborhoods in parts of this where prices do decline for sure. What, what I saw in the uh, 2008 depression, I'm, I'm clear it's a depression, not a recession, was the more rural say? areas, it, it got, it got softer. But those tried and true neighborhoods, right, the streets everyone wants to live on, Rittenhouse Square in Philadelphia, probably the most desirable neighborhood in the city. That didn't go down; um, it held, right? And it's these transitional neighborhoods, or those edgy places where there's not established commercial space. The schools may not be what people want. Like these are the factors why people move places. When I see commercial development, public school systems that people can not have to send their kids to private school like you do and spend a lot of money, right? Like that's a big factor. I'm, I'm being serious with you; it's a big factor.
1: Well, that, I that's a I choice, see... not a not a have to, but yes.
0: Well. Yeah, some places you don't have the choice, right? And I, yeah. I'm just gonna I'm gonna put it out there. You, I mean, you send your kids to the schools in Philadelphia, that's it's it. There's problems there, depending on if you can get into the right charter school or something else. So, the, the point is that if you remember at the beginning of 2022, our friends at Zillow predicted 17% appreciation year mm-hmm. over year. Mm-hmm. They were about 8% off, right? Um, I'm looking at Keeping Current Matters data, and this chart it circulates all the time. Um, This was at the uh, end of December. So Realtor.com was predicting a 5.1% increase in prices. The home price expectation survey, 2.6%. Mortgage Bankers Association, 0.7% increase. NAR, 0.3% increase. Then you got Freddie Mac, Fannie Mae, and Ivy Zellman at negative 0.2, negative 1.5, and negative 5.1, respectively. So of course, these are all over the place. This is going to be super local. I don't think you can say all of the Boston area is going to drop by this or all of New York City is going to drop by this. It's going to be neighborhoods. It's going to be local markets, however they get defined, And that's going to be where you see the deviation, because I know where I live and it's probably the same in Connecticut, same in Florida. You cross a street and prices can jump or decline by hundreds of thousands of dollars just because of the municipality they're in, the services that are available with your tax dollars. That's a fact in any marketplace. So yeah. you can't just make these 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 big predictions like this. Well, I'm sure we'll see a decline in some places. I, I'm sure we're going to see an increase in some places because the homes don't sell and inventory is so low and people are dying to get in there. So it's it's a little bit of an irresponsible report to put out, in my view, because we know real estate is super local.
1: Yeah, there's going to be pockets in all of these cities, to your point, that, that do extremely well. I mean, San Francisco going down more than 10 percent mike i mean i could certainly see that I, I haven't been in san francisco in a few years uh last time i was actually in san francisco last year i was in the air i landed in the airport picked up our good friend lisa Chinati. i got a rental car then picked her up when her flight landed and uh lisa's like hey i've never been to san francisco i said uh, the best thing to do in San Francisco is get the hell out and get up to Napa, which is where we're headed. It's a wine country. And, and, you know, you drive through San Francisco. It doesn't look very appealing. So I, I could see San Francisco. I could see that drop. They've got San Diego over a 10% drop. Uh, you know, talking to agents and brokers in San Diego, the, the values are coming down substantially in San Diego. I was in San Diego late last year. People love San Diego. I walk around. There's pockets of San Diego I love. To your point, there's neighborhoods I love. I love that little Italian neighborhood where all the, all the restaurants are. I get Little Italy, mm-hmm. maybe they call it. That's probably what they call it, right? Tom? That, that, yeah, that's Italy?
0: every they call it that every every city. Every <laughs> city has a Little Italy, so, so it's a not... so
1: Little Italy and San Diego, Nice. Uh, I walk around some of those streets though in San Diego, uh, and I'm like, yeah, the weather's great, but I don't know. Uh, Phoenix, they've got on the list. They've got Las Vegas. You know, uh, certainly. Um, you know, there was a, there was a building boom in the, in those two markets, but, uh, Vegas, by the way, I was listening to the all in podcast and one of the, one of the guys on the all in podcast said he was in Vegas in December and the Uber driver said that this December was the busiest in 20 years he's ever seen Las Vegas. So that just might be more tourism, consumer spending money you know, going over to to Vegas and maybe they're racking up the credit card. I don't know, but Vegas, the busiest in December of 22, then this particular Uber driver, this one sample size has seen in, in 20 years. If you're in Vegas, let let us know what you're seeing in Vegas. I do think some of these cities will probably have overall uh, an over 10% depreciation. They have Austin over 15%. Austin's very you know, viable in terms of uh, the demand people wanting to go there, but uh, maybe that maybe that demand is, is going to cool. Here, here's the other thing with this gold, Goldman Sachs uh, outlook of the next three years. I mean, they're just not very bullish on real estate at all. Okay, so new home sales for units in 2023, 549,000. Okay, so mm-hmm. 549,000 new home sales would be down from 625,000 in 2022. 722,000, they think it'll pop up in 2024, 786,000 in 2025. So that's new home sales. If we look at 2023 though, for existing home sales, they're projecting 3.8 million sales. 3.8 million plus the half a million for new sales. We're in the low four millions. Yeah. This is very, this is last 15 year, bottom, bot, bottom number of any year in the last 15 years when you look at, uh, total home sales. So they're projecting we are hitting bottom here since the GFC for total total home sales. This is Goldman Sachs again. They're saying just 4.1 million for existing home sales in 2024. That wouldn't even put us at 5 million total home sales for all of 2024. They don't think we're gonna get up over 5 million total home sales until 2025. Uh, values overall, and this is the case Schiller home prices, Overall in the country, they're saying a, a negative seven and a half percent decline for values, negative 2.2% for 2024, and then not till 2025, 3.8%. So, hey, this is also data. This is national data, of course, but this is also data you may wanna share with the seller that's saying, you know what, I'm gonna wait six months. Uh, well, okay, here's what we're seeing in our market locally but here's also what Goldman Sachs is projecting that we're going to see a decline all year. We're seeing purchase applications up right now. We're seeing activity Mm -hmm. and demand across markets right now. We may have an early spring market this year. We may be in a position dependent on market, depending on the inventory in your market, maybe in a position to go on the market right now and get you a near peak price if this data is true the next two years would suggest that your home is just going to continue to lose value so if you're considering selling within the next 12 months tom are you doing it now are you doing it traditional spring market are you looking at this data and saying earlier you can get your home ready and get on the market the better what
0: are you what are you suggesting i've seen this happen all the time the sellers that come to the market sooner than when everyone tells you to list your home, you ever hear the the realtor piece of advice? Hey Byron, you want to list your home right after the Super Bowl? Some nonsensical thing that I've heard. Nicole agents likes say that for,
1: line. She says the market okay. starts
0: at Super Bowl. Well, you can tell her it's trash, and I'll I'll, I'll <laughs> actually send it direct. It, it there and, and you look at like even let's Every go a little further. different. Every year's a little different. The weather's cooperating, right? I hate saying it, but it's like we're not seeing like massive snowstorms in the Northeast. It's one of the least snowy. Uh, things ever. not so cooperating house, in them,
1: california right now with uh with the mudslides there
0: yes well that's why i live in the northeast so um works for you now yeah all right right now yes um don't get off track here I, you know I, i'm always a big believer and you want to beat the market you want to be the first person out there because we're still seeing to your point multiple offers right you don't want to yeah. be out there when you're competing with 10 12 15 different sellers we will see a seasonal market this year i'm really clear on that because it's People, you know, they they dipped into the holidays. They dipped into the eggnog. They're they're kind of. This has been the first real week back after that. I know that the people that get to the market sooner, yep, they're the ones that find the opportunities because if you've got the right product, you look at the inventory levels, right? Rates have come down. There's all these things working in your favor. Why would you chance it? You don't know what's going to happen in six months. I mean, no one expected COVID, right? And and the sellers that maybe waited there, they they were okay, but the buyers that moved their time frame up. And bought January, February of 2020 and got ahead of the curve, they won massively. So I'm a big yeah. believer in getting ahead of the market.
1: Historically, we're starting to enter a time period where every year homes appreciate within this time period throughout the year. And then as we get into you know quarter four and close to the holidays, that, that's when you see home price depreciation because you have less homes available, less home shoppers, and all of that. But that home appreciation, to your point, starts. In the beginning because they're always a and this is what, what you got to explain to sellers that is such a lagging number if mm-hmm. you're going to wait till the middle of the spring market all oh, prices are good you've already missed your opportunity in some cases the ones that go to the market now with less competition when there is going to be there's going to be less inventory even in a, in a rising inventory climate in some markets right now than there is in the middle of spring so you can be that seller that actually sets the price that everybody's talking about Because that data is three months old by the time you start talking about, oh my gosh, home prices went up in the spring. You're going to get that secured now. You're going to get that secured in February. It's going to obviously close in April and people are going to be referring to this this great spring market as they look at closings in April. But it's the sellers that were educated by a knowledge broker to go to the market early and actually beat that spring market. So I think we'll we'll leave you with that on this Knowledge Brokers podcast if you are... Working on somebody's estate as an attorney, speed it up. Attorneys like to drag yes. their feet on some of these things. Oh my gosh! You know, on these estates, with speed everything. it up. It's it's to your client's benefit right now. If you're an agent, if you're a broker, if you're a team leader, get the inventory on the market because we don't know what's going to happen with next month's CPI. We don't know what's going to happen with inflation. If these numbers turn around the opposite direction you will see an even bigger increase in inventory than you saw in December. So I would say now's your opportunity as you have a good trend, as you have purchase applications going up, as you have good data happening, as you have a pretty good consumer feeling overall Mm -hmm. as it relates to right now in comparison to the last six months, I'd go now beat the spring market.
0: The parting quote here is the best time to have your home on the market, Byron, is when the neighbors don't. It's that simple. You don't need to overthink it. Be the only game in town. And I would argue that the accountants that are getting advice from their, or their clients are asking, when should I sell? Tell them to sell now. This isn't just, and you mentioned attorneys. I, I totally agree. People get advice from all different financial, financial advisors. Another one, right? I mean, I know my accountant gives tons of advice. He advises people on finances, everything else. Tell them what's going on in the market or have them just listen to this podcast and just share the data and get them hooked up with a local expert.
1: Yeah. Consider sharing this podcast within your network, right? Within your ecosystem, your lender, an agent that you're working with, maybe your partner share this podcast. Please give it a thumbs up. If you're on YouTube, it'll help it reach more people and subscribe to at knowledge brokers podcast here on YouTube. This is a fresh new channel. This is week two. If we continue to get a good response from you, we're going to continue to do this show. Tom said he's on a week to week contract on this show. He, he's too busy building the biggest company, the biggest team of all time in Philadelphia. So he is on a week to week contract. He's like those players, this Philadelphia 76ers, you know, sign on those seven day contracts. So I don't know if he'll be with me here come next Friday or not, unless we get a great response like we did last week. So share this podcast and let us know how you're feeling about the knowledge brokers podcast. Tom and I have these conversations offline every single day And our goal here is to share them with you so you can bring more value, more knowledge to your market. Tom, I hope you're going to be back with me next Friday.
0: We had a good performance today, Byron, so I'm feeling the momentum.
1: All right. I think we'll do it again next Friday. This is up every single Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern, Knowledge Brokers Podcast. We'll see you next week.